We're back here in the courtroom of current events with Peter's Proffer. Today we are hitting on an awesome current event. I think it's really interesting. I've been wanting to talk about it. It is the Facebook Congressional Hearing and Data Breach. This is most likely going to be part one of a part two or even three podcast series on this topic. Um, So we're really looking forward to it. Glad you guys are listening in. Uh, If you have any questions about it or want us to comment on anything in part two or three, hit us up on social media at Tragos Law. Here we go. All right, so there's a lot to cover here. I want to make sure we hit it all. I want to make sure we get in depth. I don't want to miss anything. So uh, that's why we're going to make this one into multiple parts because I also don't want to bore you with an hour and a half long podcast. So we'll probably try to keep the parts to less than 30 minutes and see how many parts it ends up being. I was actually told recently that our podcasts are too short for some of our listeners commute to work. So maybe this one will will be a little better for that reason. Um, So we're talking about this because there are a lot of different legal topics that are going on and legal ramifications that are going on dealing with the Facebook data breach and congressional hearing. So we're going to start out just by kind of talking about what congressional hearings are and what they are used for. There are many purposes for congressional hearings. One is totally political. You know, I want to get my side out there. I want to get some press. I want to get some face time on the television. Second is, and the truly the, the one it should be, is fact-finding, where Congress subpoenas or asks people to come in, ask for documents so that they can determine whether or not they want to write some legislation to help create or help solve a problem. Sometimes they write legislation for problems that don't exist in order, again, to get the political uh, mileage out of it. But frankly, it always should be fact-finding and for the public to know what's going on. Are they always recorded? They are always recorded, but sometimes they go into executive session where the public will never see the recording or never see the testimony. And they do that mostly on national security issues. Okay. So I guess this is just something that people actually care to watch, which most of them, they don't care to watch. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Are they always voluntary um, on the part of the person that's answering the questions or being interviewed, or sometimes is it involuntary? A lot of times it's involuntary. The problem with having a subpoena is sometimes they can be messing with the Fifth Amendment privilege that people have, and they have to give them immunity. Sometimes they give them immunity, and it messes up some criminal prosecution later on. So they've got to be careful with the subpoenas and careful with the immunity that they give them for their testimony. Okay. So uh, they mentioned in there that that Mark Zuckerberg came to this congressional hearing voluntarily. They didn't have to force him to come. and They made a big deal about that. And almost every single person thanked him um, uh, for coming. And so each person had four minutes, it sounded like, to ask questions. Is that normal? Is that how they always are at congressional hearings? Absolutely normal, especially in one where everybody wants to get their face time. So they have to say, okay, look, you only have four minutes to be on TV, and then the next guy gets four minutes on TV. Okay, and what was the purpose specifically of having Mark Zuckerberg come to a congressional hearing to answer the the questions? Well, because there was a lot of press. And right now, everything, you know, it's a hot topic because you have this Cambridge Analytical that uh, gathered all this data. And then you have the Russian investigation. You've got all these things that have been headlines. So now it's, it's ripe, it's hot, it's newsworthy. Let's bring him in. One of the things you talked about just a minute ago about voluntary and the fact that he voluntarily showed up, well, that's the beauty of what Zuckerberg did. He knew he could go in there, 
and he knew he could be smooth enough, and he really can't be touched. So he might as well go in there, say he's sorry, and our country is a very forgiving country, and when people say they're sorry, they really do forgive him. Okay, so let's not jump ahead. First, the, the actual reason for having Zuckerberg come was so that America and Congress and the senators and the people that were there asking questions could learn more about Facebook, number one, could talk about and figure out what their regulations were, could talk about what future warnings they should have and solutions that they could come up with because of the data breach that had been going on. So uh, I think Senator John Kennedy was the one that said they really wanted to hit on issues of privacy and propaganda that was going on with Facebook. So that's why they really wanted to have Zuckerberg come. But you're getting into more kind of the next question, which is why did Zuckerberg agree to do this voluntarily? Well, he's got a $40 billion company, and he wants to protect it. He wants to protect the stock price. He wants to protect his investors. So he's going in there in order to try to calm everything down because there have been some wild swings in Facebook stock price. And him going in there, him testifying, the stock actually went up. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't think that's... uh... The same thing as President Trump getting elected, even after saying all these inflammatory things on social media, half the country loved it, half the country hated it, which, you know, just getting this type of press really inflames people and and gets them moving. So it really doesn't surprise me that his stock price went up after something like this that America was watching. Um, but but I think, you know, the main reason he did it, obviously, is they're getting sued because of the, the data breach scandal that's going on with Facebook, which we're going to get into a little bit. Um, Starting out with just kind of generally what data breaches are. Um, I don't think most of America even knows what that general definition is, but a data breach case basically revolves around somebody getting your private information without your knowledge or without your uh, being willing and able to give that to them. Um, Some examples of data breach cases that have gone on in the past are the Target data breach case, the Sprouts data breach case. Um, there's a Lincare data, data breach case uh, where personal information was gotten in, and sold either on the black market or gotten illegally most of the time, um, but there were also not proper safety precautions uh, put into place by the people that had the data, which was Target, which was uh, Sprouts, which was you know Lincare, and in this, fa- this case, which was Facebook. They're the ones that were in control of the data and got breached. In a lot of those other cases, the way the data is is obtained is by a whaling or phishing scandal, which is somebody writes an email pretending to be a higher up at the company and says, send me everybody's tax returns or send me all the credit card information that you got this day. And the person just kind of sends it out without even uh, looking into whether or not that person actually acts on behalf of the company. So that's obviously problematic because now your social security number, your address, your date of birth, all of your personal identifiable information is now out on the black market for other people to purchase. Um, so the, the real question is, if your data gets breached, what, what does that really mean for you and how can that affect you if your data gets breached? In those other cases, the way it affects you is um, people can buy that information on the black market and either file tax returns in your name, uh, file for student loans in your name. Um, They can uh, open credit cards in your name and ruin your credit, or they can even try to steal your identity. In this case, uh, it's believed that some of this information was used for other reasons, although I'm sure some of it was used for those as well. So why don't you talk about first what type of information was taken and how it was obtained in this data breach with Facebook? Well, this data breach occurred because a man named Kogan applied for an app 
on Facebook. And he got the app. He got the approval, put the app on there. But he went way beyond his contract with Facebook and got far more information than he asked for. The app actually was, hey, you know, how do you want to, how do you want to you know, marry? Who do you want to marry? One of those kind of questions that people fill out all the time just for fun. But what happened is that let him get into that Facebook account. He got into that Facebook account, and then he got into all the friends of that Facebook account. And it went on and on and on until you got to 89 million people that he got information from. He got that information, and then he sold it to other companies. And one of them was a company that was doing Republican research. And they got all that information, and they were able to say, okay, who are the people we can target to vote? What do they think about certain issues? Who do they talk to? What magazines do they read? What videos do they watch? What websites they go to, which is a, a, another total different thing because it goes even beyond what's on Facebook. It can go into what the websites are that people on Facebook go to visit. And he sold that information to multiple companies, not just the one company doing the Republican research. So really what they can take is whatever you post on Facebook, any pictures that you post, any friends info that you have on Facebook, any page likes, meaning you go to Outback Steakhouse and you like that page. Well, they're gathering all of that info so they can build kind of a report on you. Um, also, they go into your private messages and they can steal those. So if you have a private message, somebody, your you know social security number for them to log into something for you or your password to a certain uh, website that you have. Well, now that's being scraped and taken, you know, in this data breach. And then additionally, like you said, they went one step further and even went to like your search history on your computer. So now they know everything about you if you logged into this app or even if you didn't log into this app, but you had a friend that happened to log into this app. Um, so when we, when we deal with these types of data breach cases and your data is now being used for something you don't really want it to be used for, where the real money is in this, which is you know pretty clear, and, and Zuckerberg explained this in some of his answers when somebody asked, "How does Facebook work? How do you make money if it, people don't you know you don't charge people to use Facebook?" And the simple answer is advertisers. That's how you make money. They pay to get in front of these people. They also pay to get this information so they can target the specific individuals that they want to target for their products. I talk about it with my wife sometimes. We'll start talking about, you know, I don't know, let's start looking at this car. And then all of a sudden the car starts popping up on our Facebook ads and somehow Facebook knows what it was that we were talking about and what it is that we're looking for. Um, and in other data breach cases, they put uh, uh, protections in place post data breach. We've been involved in a data breach lawsuit. We've got one currently going on right now. And we're trying to deal with how do you protect the people that's data was breached. Um, so this Facebook lawsuit that's also going on, I assume that's what they're going to try to do. And some of the things that they put into place are identity theft protections, um, pay for time with your accountant that you can go over, you know, any false tax returns or anything that's been filed in incorrectly in your name, pay for credit monitoring, uh, pay for missed time at work because you've had to go deal with this, meet with your accountant, you know, lost wages, things like that. And the list goes on and on because this can negatively affect your your life for years and years and years to come. And if anything ever gets kicked back on your tax returns, now you've got to go through a whole process again with your accountant and that costs money and takes time. So these data breach cases can have severe effects on the people that were um, that were affected. And in this case, do you know what the number is of people that were that whose data was breached? 89 million. And what's interesting is within that 89 million, somebody asked if Mark Zuckerberg's info was one of the 89 million breached, and the answer was yes, which I thought was, was kind of funny and interesting that his was also um, uh, affected. You know, Peter, you were talking about the lawsuits. Yeah. I think those lawsuits are figured into Facebook's profits. 
can think about any lawsuits Facebook gets every day, all day, from data breaches, credit card, people who have their credit cards stolen, all that information. They're a $40 billion company. Let's say they pay a billion dollars in lawsuits. It's worth the risk for them. And that's the, that's the point here is that even with all the lawsuits they face, they have to make some corrections at some time to protect this, but it, they figure it into their profits. And one of the really interesting things is in data breach cases is a very important factor is when you notify the individuals who are affected. Um, and that was one of the questions asked of Mark Zuckerberg, which was, have you notified all the 89 million people that were affected, told them how they were affected and what they can be looking for and what you're going to do to protect them? And his answer was, we have begun notifying the people affected. So some of these cases have a couple thousand people, even 10,000 people, maybe even a million people. But none of these cases that have happened in the past have 89 million people affected. So it's going to be more difficult to notify 89 million people than it was a couple thousand people in the other cases. But they say they are in the process of notifying these people. So you should be on the lookout if you get notified that you have been affected by this Facebook data breach and then look into the future into credit monitoring, um, into protecting your data, which they're, all these people are now posting articles on how you can protect your Facebook data better. And we'll talk about things that might be potential solutions in the future. So that's kind of a basic overview of you know what a data breach is in general, how this Facebook data breach occurred. Um, and now we're going to get into kind of a little bit more of the congressional hearing with talking about um, specifically Mark Zuckerberg's demeanor and presentation throughout the entire congressional hearing. Um, I think we have differing opinions on that. Right. I think he did a good job. I think he did what he wanted to do, and he went in there, and he kind of neutralized what was going on. You've got to realize he was being questioned by over 100 legislators, 44 senators, and 60 congressmen in two different days over 10 hours. Which, and they were also getting questions from other people. It was pretty obvious. Some of these questions were coming from lawyers or people that deal in this world and they were reading questions that were submitted to them by other people, which I thought was interesting too. I wouldn't say I think he did a bad job. I just think I came away from the congressional hearing being more worried about Facebook than than less worried about Facebook. So going into it, I obviously know that all this information you put on there is public. Um, that's already been proven. It can all be used against you. I get that. But it's pretty crazy to see that, you know, what we've been seeing in shows as futuristic where they could build an entire um, program that just tells every detail about every person's life, what they like, what they don't like, what they're going to do next and start kind of projecting what people's next moves are is kind of scary. And I think his answers basically said that, yeah, Facebook can do anything it wants and they have a file on every single person that exists and you better not screw up with Facebook or you better not let that information get into the wrong hands because you never know what's going to happen to it. Um, I want to specifically touch on before we really get into the the meat of what was said throughout the, the questioning, what did you think about how he answered the questions and his preparation, obviously, for the hearing? Because I noticed that every single question they asked, he didn't answer yes or no. He said, congressman or senator or congresswoman and started it with that and then some kind of explanation or paragraph afterwards that was not really a yes or no. And I also think he knew they only had four minutes and he was dodging questions and answering in ways that were evasive or not even uh, on topic for what the actual question was. And that to me, if I was just a lay person watching that, that would kind of bother me that he wasn't just answering yes or no, even when they would specifically ask, can you just answer yes or no to this one real quick? Well, let's start with something, an interesting fact. Senators Blumenthal and Harris, they uh, wrote their constituents and said, follow us on Facebook 
during the hearings. Right. All right. So let's look at the optics. You've got Mark Zuckerberg, man usually seen in a gray in a gray T-shirt, but you saw him in a suit. And the people behind him, no gray T-shirts. They were all in suits. So they all showed up looking respectful, trying to look grown up, not trying to look like the gray T-shirts that we've all seen. And when he said that, Congressman, Senator, he was trying to be humble, trying to look like he was humble and not arrogant when he was asking the question. Because unfortunately, him- unfortunately for him, they wrote a, an entire movie that everybody's seen in America where he was a pompous jerk kid from Harvard who totally made a mockery of the judicial system when he got sued after screwing his best friend in the begin- in the makings of Facebook. So I think that that had a lot to do with how people kind of thought of him before he even showed up. And it wasn't even him. It was a movie portrayal of him. Right. But, and we all know. You want to think a little bit before you answer a question. By saying senator or congressman, it gave him a minute to think before he actually answered the question. And he never lost his cool. He never yelled. He never argued. And we've seen that in congressional hearings where people argue with the senators or the congressman. He didn't do that. Well, yeah, because, I mean, I don't think he really has a a point or a reason to argue with them, especially in this case when he's basically answering their questions to appease them and to make an apology tour, basically. And I think that it was interesting because he— would would be very respectful, even though they would say stuff like, listen, this is a simple question. We all know you're way smarter than us. Can you just give us a straight answer? Because everybody there knows this guy's a genius. They're not going to trick him on a question. They're not going to stump him up. They're not going to make him stumble or fumble around. He's already thought about all this stuff. And if he didn't think about it, he's still a genius that created this billion-dollar company in the dorm room of his college. Now, Peter, remember, too, he had no real allies. This was a bipartisan attack on Facebook. A lot of times you'll see a politician go in there and the Democrats will be his allies and the Republicans will be the enemy or vice versa. So they've got allies on there. In this case, he had no ally on there that was going to be sitting there and defending him during the course of the hearings. Okay. So now we're going to get into some of the specific statements um, that were made, the questions that were given and, and what he kind of said. And we'll start with his opening statement where, of course, he talked about how Facebook was started in a dorm room, humble beginnings, and look, it's the American dream. And the real point of Facebook is to make people's voices heard and to build communities and business opportunities and really build unity in the community. And he mentioned the Me Too movement and the March for Our Lives, which are organized on Facebook and how, you know, without Facebook, that would not have been as widespread or easy to organize, as well as a lot of the Hurricane Harvey relief and other things that went on on Facebook. Um, so my question to you would be, we are in different generations, obviously you in your sixties and I'm in my thirties. Um, do you, is that what you think of when you think of Facebook? I think of Facebook as the American dream. Absolutely. I mean, what other country do you think that could happen in other than America where everybody has equal opportunity and you have the ability to grow your business, the ability to to make money, the ability to make success if you work hard, nobody handed him Facebook. He worked. He made it the success it is. And I, and I think that that's recognized by everybody who uh, knows about Facebook. I think it's funny because I don't really, I don't necessarily look at it like that. I mean, I agree that it's a great accomplishment of him creating Facebook. And this may be, this may sound millennial of me or maybe not. I don't know. I don't usually think of myself as a millennial, but I think of Facebook as the ultimate capitalization on the narcissistic and fake environment that's in America. Everybody wants it to seem like their life's a certain way. They want to brag about what they have or don't have. They want to talk about their friends and look how great they are. They want to stalk their ex-boyfriend to see what his new girlfriend looks like. And that's the real meaning and use for Facebook. And I think it's proven by the fact that Facebook came out of a hot or not 
type of system that Mark Zuckerberg created. I mean, I think it is the ultimate, um, just put your life out there. Make sure you don't actually have to meet anybody. You can talk to them on Facebook or stalk them on Facebook to see what they look like and what they like without actually having to get to know people. That's kind of how I look at it. I don't, I mean, I, I see so much more negative with Facebook than, than positive, I guess, even though I do like it and I use it and I'm not saying it's, it's all, you know, evil, but I just see it so much as capitalizing on, on people's narcissism and negative qualities that, that happen in people. And that's why he makes so much money and has so much participation. Well, Facebook is a choice. First off, people don't have to go on Facebook. Yeah, you can call it that, but there's a lot of societal pressure to be part of Facebook too. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's pressure. I don't feel. Well, yeah, I don't think you would, (laughs) you know, but the, the fact is he gives away billions of dollars. They have a charitable foundation if people don't make money in this country, then they, their money wouldn't be available for charities and for the underprivileged. And Somebody's got to make the money to give the money away. I don't have a problem with him making money. I'm not saying it's the, the fact that he's making money. I just think that there's no real difference between you know Facebook and keeping up with the Kardashians. I think that it's all just for people's entertainment and you're capitalizing off people's maybe not the best choices that they make for entertainment. Well, you're not talking about looking at what the Zuckerbergs do. You're talking about the individuals on Facebook looking at other individuals on I'm Facebook. I'm saying capitalizing on that emotion in people. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying Zuckerberg's like the Kardashians or anything like that. I'm just saying I think this is kind of um, empty entertainment for people for the most part because I think a lot of what you see on Facebook is you know fake, I'm so much cooler online type of thing, and I don't necessarily think there's a lot of good that comes out of it, even though that's what he's kind of trying to preach in these opening statements. And that could be a pessimistic view by me. I understand that. Well, you're a member of a generation that lives like that. You live remotely. I agree, and I hate it, I guess. That's what I'm saying. I think that a lot of it's annoying because I think it's fake, and it's all surface level, and I think that you know Facebook has created a lot of the problems that, you know, society has, has agreed to do and has jumped in full force. I'm not saying that he's forced anybody to do anything. I just think it, it has been an enabler to people that act like that on Facebook. Right. But if I say things like, look, I want more personal contact, you'll tell me I'm old fashioned. You know, the, the internet was developed for remote contact. I mean, that's what everybody does on the internet. And I don't think there's anything wrong with what Facebook is doing. I think, People have this in them already, and Facebook didn't create a generation of people that don't want to have personal relationships. That generation created itself. I don't disagree with that. He gave them what they wanted, basically. You right. got to give the people what they want, and that's what he did. I'm not, I'm not faulting him for it. I just don't see it as this, you know, great thing that created community and gives people a voice. I don't necessarily see it as that. Um, so in the beginning, a lot of the questions focused on regulation. Um, and what regulation Facebook has and what it needs in the future. Okay, let's, let's first look at, he, he gives an opening statement. This is supposed to be about data breach. And that's what people came in there. That's what he came in there prepared for. But let's look at what they talked about. Foreign interference in elections. They talked about illegal discrimination in advertising. Law enforcement access to data. The tech industry's lack of diversity. The impenetrable pros of Facebook's term of service, social media addiction, hate speech, censorship, monopoly, competition, suspicion about users on Facebook listening to other conversations, and the difference between a platform and a publisher. This went well beyond the topics that we got there. Well, see, I disagree, and that's, I guess, why we spoke about in the beginning of what was the purpose of this. I think the purpose of this was to learn about Facebook and about the industry as a whole and to talk about regulation and all those things you mentioned 
a kickback into regulation. Does it need to be regulated more to diminish hate speech? Hate speech. Does it need to be regulated less because right now it might be biased or they may be censoring certain things? I think all of that has to do with whether or not this industry needs to be regulated more or less. Well, then you talk about what is the capitalist system. Do we believe that the marketplace will control? If people don't like Facebook, they won't go on it. They won't make any money then. I agree. But but so I guess the point is big government, small government, Republican, Democrat, more government involvement, less government involvement, the government protecting the people from itself. But the point is, I think even if you believe in small government and less government regulation, I think that more government regulation and Facebook could help just because it's a private entity gaining so much personal information about individuals that if a data breach occurs like this, now we're affecting 89 million people. Well, what's going to happen is what happens in a lot of industries. You start regulating the industry, and the small guy is the one that gets cut out. It's the big company that really benefits from regulation because they can handle the regulation. Which I think is funny because that's one of the things when they asked Mark Zuckerberg of whether or not he thinks that it should be regulated, he said, to a certain extent, yes. And then another congressman asked, well, isn't that going to crush the little guy, the new innovator, the next big thing, the next guy sitting in a Harvard dorm room trying to create something? This regulation is just going to totally crush him, and it's going to keep Facebook at the top because they can adapt, and they don't mind losing a little bit of money because they're already at the top of the mountain. And they can hire people to handle the regulations. You think about a small startup. If they're going to have to start spending a lot of money on hiring lawyers and and people to handle all these regulations, it's going to be harder for them to succeed. And you really don't want to make it harder for people to succeed. You know, we've got European, the European countries have banded together and they have started regulating things like Facebook and social media. Those regulations are going to cost everybody money. And uh, Zuckerberg said that he is going to comply with the European regulations. He's basically forced to in Europe. But that, again, we're, we're talking more socialism there. And the government controlling your life. Right. And I definitely think it could have some issues, but I think it could have some benefits too, specifically with something like Facebook. Um, And we'll get into specific resolutions into the future, um, kind of at the end of whenever this podcast does end. Um, But we're going to cut off part one now after talking about the regulation questions and kind of what he went through dealing with regulation, which he didn't really give any specific regulations that they would adhere to, I didn't think. Um, and we will hit some more specific topics on part two. So keep a lookout for that. And thanks for listening with us.